Well met, friends. My name is Adam, and this is the Get Pipe Podcast, where we up the pipe. Today, well, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Nick, a.k.a. the producer guy. Nick, what's up, man? Hey, Adam. How you doing, brother? My voice is real low. My voice is real <laughs> raspy, so bear with Dang, us. Man. Everyone uh, hit, hit, a, hit a punk rock concert in Charlotte, North Carolina this weekend. Dang, man. How'd it go? It was great. It was impromptu. I, I, the band that I went to go, I went to go see was Hot Mulligan. They're like a newer, new age, late two thousands or late twenty twenty, uh, late twenty tens punk band. Mm, okay. And right. so everyone was going for the the headline band, which was the Wonder Years. I, I'm familiar with them. They uh, a couple of good songs, and by couple I mean their most popular one. <laughs> but but uh no so i was going for the second playing band the first one was carly cosgrove carly cosgrove not a woman and uh yeah it was pretty cool though but but it was such an impromptu decision we we knew they were coming that's one of the good things about spotify is that if you're if you're listening to a bunch of music over you know i guess i've had this app for a decade or something something wow. crazy yeah and it was it's telling me that's that wild. i hit like 10 years or something but uh, so obviously it tracks what you're listening to. And if uh, the band's coming by, they're going to let you know. So we were, we saw they were coming to North Carolina, not too far, about an hour drive. And we, we were actually going to pass on it. But you know, I had my good friend here. The old Caleb came down and we had a good weekend. Caleb. And uh, after a good Thursday night, Friday night uh, came Saturday. We're like, you know, what do you want to do? We, we wanted to do nothing. Literally just chilled all day because uh, we got... Kind of got after it on the the Thursday Friday, doing a lot of stuff. Went to Charleston. I was I always messed that one up with Charlotte, but anyway, so it was an impromptu decision. We're like, hey, let's just do it. Let's go up uh, to up to North Carolina and you know listen to the to the show. It was like forty bucks a ticket. It wasn't too bad, but it was awesome, man. I was screaming, I was commanding the pit, and uh, yeah, man, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit bigger of a human compared to the average the, the scrawny <laughs> frequenter. <laughs> yeah. yeah my my voice feels uh raspy in a different way it because sounds it so i was doing we're taking our deck down such such a like dad homeowner thing is um our deck is built good it was built very well but like it wasn't cared for the previous homeowners as well as ourselves like when we moved in those to the point of kind of no return we could have cared for it but it wouldn't have done much so I was with my father-in-law. We're just taking apart all these boards that are haven't moved in probably two or three decades. So there's dust and pollen. How old is your house? Crap. Our house is uh, like 65 years old, at least. It was Damn. 19, it might even be more, 1954, 1955. Gosh, your house was smoking a pipe. Yeah, man. It was oh. definitely smoking a pipe. Speaking of which, more to come on that later. But... um. Anyways, just all the dust and pollen and just crap, okay, yeah. probably mold, it, yeah. um, which I had last week because we started last week, but it was definitely exacerbated this week because I was actually lifting up a bunch of boards, carrying them on my shoulder, bringing them to my truck because then we brought them to the transfer station because we don't we don't have like a dump in our city and stuff. So, which not used to because back home we had the big we had the big dump. We just yeah, I mean. It ended up being like a transfer station, um, but we had back in back the old days had the big hole have, in the earth. From when we moved down here, I have 
I gotta say hundreds, hundreds of cardboard boxes just sitting in my <laughs> in my garage right now. I don't really know what to do with them. Recycling comes yeah. every other week. It is we don't have to pay for it. It's by the state. Yeah. But every other week, and th- that barrel, it'll it'll it's be full. It'll be six months before it, at the Dude, rate of it's every the other worst. week. So. We've had we've had times where we've like gotten a lot of stuff or just big pa- packages or boxes or yeah. whatever, and it's like. Dude, it takes weeks. Weeks. Yeah. It's brutal. And that's that's like that's not even moving. That's just we bought stuff on Amazon during yeah. Amazon Prime. Well, that's Day. the thing. So so you same thing. So with our move in conjunction with a move, people buy even more stuff. So we were going crazy. We bought obviously furniture, you know, all the stuff. And and yeah, so it's it's just been kind of accumulating. And I'm sure that there is like a recycle center somewhere close. Mm-hmm. I think it's like part dump too, but True. it's 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 one of those things where there's just so much stuff that'll take so many yeah. trips for me too that I you need you need a truck. <laughs> I know I really do I really do. I Speaking day, of trucks, but... I I, I want I want to find a buddy down here who has one because very specifically there's a we were at this old antiques antique store right down the road, and there's a beautiful bookshelf, and a lot of times you find bookshelves and they're like that. Like that particle board, not particle board. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Fake Part- wood is it particle board? Yep. Yeah, and then like yeah, the back, you could literally punch a hole through it if you if you really wanted to, and <laughs> the, the shelves kind of fall off because they're just hanging by hooks. We have we have a couple of those, and and I'm I'm not too impressed with them. But there's a beautiful freaking bookshelf. It's only like three hundred fifty dollars, and it's solid wood. It definitely is steel, but people just aren't buying old bookshelves. And uh, yeah, once I get a buddy with a truck, I want him to one help me with all that trash, but purchase that bookshelf because it would be a, a wonderful uh, pipe display. And, and we we will get it eventually. And when we do, I'll make sure to uh, uh, throw in the old uh, display, hey, the uh, references. Black Get by Pipe Club references. But uh, that's a little bit off. We've been spending like honestly like assholes, but <laughs> time to kind of reel it in. Uh, heck yeah, man! But uh, what's what's crazy is today. As of recording, not as of as of going live. It is International Pipe Smoking Day, so uh, I wish you all. I hope you all had a great International Pipe Smoking Day. Uh, as of this is released, because it is three days after um, that that actual day. So, wish you all a great day. But Adam and I got some great acquisitions recently, and he alluded to them in the Brian Levine episode. Go ahead and listen to that. That is. That episode is busting. Great episode, great insight, great knowledge. I mean, I don't think I think that's one of the episodes we've gotten the most positive feedback on. Mm-hmm. Listen to Brian um, again. Love, love, Mister Nate King's. Uh, wh- what did he call it? Pipes Magazine After Dark. Pipes, Pipes Magazine, Magazine After Dark. Love that. I absolutely love that. Um, and uh, yeah, so we got we got some cigars, baby. And as you can tell from the title of the episode, we're, we might be foring into some cigars here. But before we do that, we uh, we just want to talk about our acquisitions. So Adam and I both got some Stillwell Star cigars. And um, for those of you who don't know what Stillwell Star is, these cigars are from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, they're actually made by Master Ligador or Master Blender, Steve Saka. Um, he he always kind of made casually made cigars uh, with pipe tobacco, kind of in his leisure time. And uh, at one point, he was discussing this with 
the famous, infamous, not infamous, the famous Jeremy Reeves of Cornell and Deal. And uh, they they kind of had those those idea juices flowing. They had those, those rabbits running in their head. Um, and they kind of decided one day to craft these cigars that weren't just these kind of crappy, you know, maybe Cavendish cigars that are super like moist and flavorful, quotes and flavorful, and you couldn't get the nuances of what you were kind of tasting in the cigar. So they made uh, arguably some of the finest uh, pipe tobacco cigars in the world. I, I think they're calling them the finest and the only ones that are, are truly kind of these craft uh, craft cigars. Uh, so they have four main cigars in the line, plus a 2022 20, holiday blend that they released this last year. Um, I will say up front, that I I have not personally smoked any of these yet. I'm looking forward to it, and um, I'm super excited. I'll just go over real quick the four the four main ones in that holiday blend. They have an aromatic number one. You got some black Cavendish, Golden Virginia, and Burley added to a Nicaraguan puro uh, or puro puro. I think it's puro, but that's just basically saying every part of the blend is from Nicaragua. Um, they have the Bayou number 32. This is bright and red Virginias with St. James Parish Perique and Nicaraguan, Nicaragua. Ah, that's such a hard word to say. Nicaraguan Puro tobacco as well. They're the English number 27. This is Burley, Turkish Orientals and Cypriot, Cypriot, Latakia, Latakia with a Nicaraguan cigar tobacco. And finally, the, the, Fourth main one in the main line, or the fourth one in the main line, is the Navy number 1056, 1056, which is crumble, cake, red and yellow Virginias, a touch of naval rations, Orientals, and Latakia. Uh, finally, the the last 2022 20, holiday blend was some Cavendish Virginias and Burleys for a subtle aromatic quality for the holiday season. I think um, I'm personally looking forward to the aromatic one. Um, just because that's that's who I am, but I will say the Bayou number twenty three definitely definitely interested in that. So stay tuned for some some more updates on that. As we always kind of give you some pipe smoking and smoking updates in our in our chat in here, um, Adam. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to to touch on, kind of that little acquisition you got as well. Yeah, no, I I actually I've smoked one of them before. I smoked the actually what was it? I think it was the Navy. Yep, the Navy number. Well, I don't understand these numbers, so maybe this is similar know. to pipe tobacco. But I, yeah, aromatic number one, Bayou thirty-two, English twenty-seven, Navy ten fifty-six, and then of course we had that holiday one. Uh, I've smoked the holiday one. That one was really good. I did that back in holiday-ish season. That mm-hmm. was one of the cigars. I think I, t- I had talked about it. Uh, following is that with the your holiday. dad? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and I brought one extra back, and I lost it in my car. I ended up finding it, oh. and it, I did. I don't think I ended up smoking. I think I threw that one out. It's pretty dry, <laughs> yeah, but I know fifteen dollars cigar gone. Uh, but Ooh. but for that Navy ten fifty six, that one I did smoke with my dad. That was good, man. I I thought it was really interesting, and and uh, I'm not here to necessarily tell you what I what I tasted. I don't know anything about cigars, but um, I would argue that that kind of leads us into. The reason behind the segment, which we'll, we'll we'll get into, but the bottom line is, we want to learn, man. We want to learn about cigars. We want to be able to not always say, "I'm not a cigar guy." When talking about cigars among 
other pipe smokers who are enjoying a cigar. And I think that's like my, you, you see me at a pipe show, man. That's my iconic line. Someone gives me a cigar. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm not a cigar guy, but I'll, I'll smoke. <laughs> and uh, ironically, I think we were talking about it too. I, I almost enjoy smoking cigars more at yeah, pipe man. shows. And then that's, that's a, that's a discussion for another, another time. But yeah, I mean, the, the Navy one was good. And, and I think, uh, I think what Steve Saka did, Steve Saka is this like super legendary cigar blender guy. He was, he's the, the founder of Dunbarton Tobacco, which is really found, which founded pretty recently. And the company before that, I don't quite know some of the cigar guys here will know a lot of the people in the sphere just in general will know, uh, but he ended up closing those doors in like 2013 and then started this, this gig. Um, and, and it's going really well. And, and, and these, these cigars are really awesome for, you know, pipe smokers, but also just casual cigar smokers, um, experienced cigar smokers. Uh, so it, it is cool. A lot of times these, you find that these crossover kind of things are gimmicky and, and they're made mm. for one group and they don't do super well with that group. Uh, and, and then that other group is, is completely, separate like almost segregated from it right uh, but alienated for, alienated but, the, but these ones are are hit man people who don't know anything about pipes or really enjoying them maybe have no desire to try a pipe because of them because they're just good cigars um but yeah man they they, they, they got me in if you if it, to be completely honest whenever i go to a, a cigar lounge or something uh, this is the one i'll ask mainly because it's the only one i know of and it's my <laughs> connection with the pipe smoking and jeremy reeves and uh, there's some history with with Steve Saka being from New England and, you know, my father going to this small pipes, pipe, uh, or not pipe cigar lounge that does sell pipes, pipe stuff. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I fit into this, but, but so far we're, we're, our plan is to kind of get through these and, and, and try to understand them. And we're, we're totally open for, for you guys to give us recommendations on other cigars that aren't necessarily made with pipe tobacco, but we just assumed it was a, a pretty solid start for, for a pipe guy. For sure, for sure. But before we kind of discuss this new series, big surprise here, we just want to kind of touch on our, our things that we, we always touch on before the show. And that first one is the Chicago International Pipe Show is coming up here on April 28th through the 30th. Those are the official show dates, but there are some events on the 27th. Uh, so look out for that. Go to chicagopipeshow.com. It's uh, at the Lincolnshire Marriott and Resort. There's still a room rate. Uh, I believe it's until, ooh, go to the website, but mid-March or early March. Um, so do that. It's significantly cheaper. I'd say 30 to $40 a night cheaper from just, I was kind of looking at the Marriott rates. So go check that out. Uh, everything you need to know is on Chicago, the uh, chicagopipeshow.com. They also have an Instagram that just started up. And uh, so check that out um, at the Chicago Pipe Show for more information as well. While you're at it, while you're on the interwebs, check out getpipe.co. We got a bunch of stuff there. We got our Piping Hot Monthly newsletter that comes out at the first of every new month. We look back on the previous month, look ahead to the next month coming up. And uh, it's just a great way for you to to look back and, and catch up on everything Get Piped. And on the website, as well, getpipe.co. You can support the show. There's many ways to support. The best one is our buy around club. 
Everything you need to know about that is on our website, as well as our Get Pipe merch. It includes t-shirts, pocket jars, hats, mugs, everything everything on there. Go ahead, go support the show. And another way to support the show is to follow and subscribe on all your podcast platforms that allows it. And rate and review. I will say for the uh, to, to write this down so it's known in the books, Get Piped has surpassed, the Get Piped podcast has surpassed 100 ratings on Spotify. We made it. We did it, y'all. Thank you. You can stop rating. No, I'm just kidding. Keep rating. Uh, write us those Apple reviews. And uh, eventually, I think we're going to read some. So so make make them good. I think Adam had mentioned at some point to do them in a, in a funny voice. Say what voice you want us to talk to. <laughs> talk um them in and we'll read them here on the podcast so do that do that on apple and uh yeah but stay tuned for an awesome new series a little bit of humor the humidor is get pipe delves into some cigars and we got some new segments we got a little bit of ask adam anything which is not new but then we got some legends of the pipe we are officially announcing our 16 total legends so you want to stay tuned for that but adam you got anything? Big thanks to the producer guy for the producer guy things. But before we move into the main topic, I want to remind you to take a deep breath, savor this moment, kindle your flames, and pipe as you please. Well, ladies and gentlemen and folks of the Get Pipe Pipe community, we have a new series today. And guess what? As we had promised last year, Get Piped is moving into the realm of cigars. But before we get into that, I just wanted to, we both wanted to just say uh, that we have been sponsored. This show today that you are listening to has been sponsored by our good friends at Rabbit Air. They actually provided Adam and I two of these awesome filters. Uh, Rabbit Air is big into the cigar scene, as uh, we're talking about cigars here, but they're looking to break into uh, a different market. They're looking to break into the pipe scene, uh, a market that they actually did not, in fact, know too much about. We'd reached out to them saying that we think that there's a void that needs to be filled here, and uh, we think that the pipe community as a whole can fill that void. So they agreed and sent us their newest filter, the A3. It's a six-stage purification filter. Uh, it covers up to 1,000 square feet of room space, filtering over 8,500 cubic feet of air in just 30 minutes. It is super quiet, which I it's literally running right now. You can't hear it. Um, and it was on the whole time uh, while I was while we were recording with Mr. Brian Levine. And uh, after that, it was full blast mode, cleaning out the whole room in the morning. But it's got some, aside from the ones that we got, uh, we got these just straight black ones. They have some really cool options, uh, art options for purchase. They have Van Gogh Starry Night. They have Snoopy hugging a heart. And for those of you who like it, they have Hello Kitty. Uh, but they also have the the black and white options. They have Hello Kitty ones. They have Hello Kitty, man. It's <laughs> it's wild. And uh, you can hang these on your wall. You can put them in the corner. Uh, they're they're super great. Actually, I did smoke um, a pipe again with with when we we're recording with Brian. Um, it, it worked great. Producer wife couldn't even smell it the next morning. Um, again, the the pipe the 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 smoke's a little 
a lot less than a cigar, but I will say, uh, personally, I did have a cigar and it did a good job. I'm sitting here right now. Um, it took a couple days to really filter it out, but you know, we think that there's, there's this, there's a, a void that needs to be filled in the pipe world. And, um, I think so far it's living up to all its expectations. Um, I will say this does retail for $750, but they have a minus A2 filter that goes for 550, um, which is a great option. From I know someone in the uh, Galactic Get Pipe Pipe Community Pipe Club, excuse me, has has one. Just got one recently. They said it works out great. So I think if you're a pipe smoker and you want to invest in something that will clean out your air inside your home, this is so far for me. It's been a great option, and uh, I look forward to working more with, with rabbit air in the future. And I hope, uh, if there's anyone out there that has some, that has some good reviews, definitely let us know. And, and we'll let the folks over there uh, at rabbit air know as well. But that aside, we have a great new series today called humor, the humidor. And today we're going to be launching this series, kind of doing a little history of cigars, a little, little background on it, because as Adam mentioned earlier, we're learners. We're lifelong learners. We we want to be we want to be the the dudes who are learning everything we can about pipes, everything we can about cigars, um, and everything we can about the community as a whole. So uh, we're going to help you guys learn as well, and uh, you'll you'll be learning right here with us. That's that's a great thing about these formats is you you get to listen from day one all the way until at this point. You know we're. 14, 14 months into this. And uh, hopefully when someone else is listening to this, we'll be 10 years into it. Um, but yeah, Adam, do you have anything uh, anything else you want to add before we, we kind of get started? Yeah. Thank you, man, for the all the compliments on the amazing naming convention of the series. Um, I know you're all <laughs> thinking it as well, but uh, yeah. No. <laughs> so Humor the Humidor Man was, was something that Nick and I had been planning for, for quite some time. And it was... I found a problem in my own experience with listening to some of the other other pipe smoking shows out there where when whenever I was so distant from cigars that when they got to an episode that was relating to cigar cigars, I honestly would just skip through. Uh, I would just wait for the next week, kind of skip it, listen to music instead on the way to work or whatever. And I think part of that played a factor in my ignorance with with the understanding of how cigars work, how to cut them, how to, what the different tastes, the different sizes, mm-hmm. names. And, uh, but now I, I, I kind of want to change that. I want to kind of take this opportunity to, to literally teach and we're, we're going to kind of learn together. So this will be an experimental piece, but we do want to, in the end, kind of relate it to pipe smoking. I do want to make this still a pipe. This is a pipe smoking podcast and it will forever be one. And this will be our, I'd like to say, I, I mean, I don't want to say never say never kind of thing. I, I don't know this mm-hmm. maybe. 20 years we're still doing this and i don't know pipe smoking died at in 2031 or something and now we've got to do cigars so i won't say never but but for the most part my plan is that this just remains our one cigar series and you know i, I still would like to have that application towards uh, the pipe smoking so we'll give our insights on how it differs in in, in our own experiences and, and i think it'll be pretty fun man so so for this humor the humidor we're actually going to talk about and learn about history essentially the origins of, of cigars which has a somewhat similar tale to a degree mm. uh, to, to pipe smoking but there's so much more out there there's just so so much more to learn about cigars so i think it'll be fun 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, but one of the one of the main things um, that I think interests me in cigars is just how how many there are. Like I walk into I walk into the humidor, <laughs> literally just sticks everywhere. Uh, but I mean, I was reading something like they back in the thirties, twenties, maybe before nineteen hundred, they like made like five hundred million cigars a year in some of the places. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Like, are they still doing that today? I'm curious. I I'd imagine. I don't, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, it truly is. But yeah, some of, some of the background in cigars, um, I did not know about until we began looking into this, some stuff. And so as we kind of look at where did cigars originate from, they actually originated in some of the Mayan cultures, Back in the day, back in the day, uh, the word sikar, uh, spelled S-I-K-A-R, which means to smoke rolled tobacco leaves, was kind of the original word uh, to mean a cigar. Uh, We then see the Spanish word cigarro, I believe maybe maybe I can roll my R a little better, cigarro. Uh, That kind of bridges the gap between what the minds had and our modern day usage of the word cigar. Um, what you also see is a lot of the modern day terms for cigars, like we have, which were what we were talking about earlier with Mr. Steve Saka, uh, Ligador, which means uh, blender. Uh, Liga is blend. So a lot of these phrases and terms are still rooted kind of in Spanish culture, um, not kind of, are rooted in Spanish culture, which I I didn't realize, but kind of makes sense. So you you also see a lot of, uh, you know, you hear about the Cuban cigars, a lot of stuff in Central America, a lot of stuff in the Caribbean islands um, are all kind of rooted in these Spanish conquistadors, Spanish, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Colonists, as well as, you know, you have the Columbuses, Christopher Columbuses of the world going to Habana. Cuba, I believe, or the Dominican, um, and just finding finding all these things. And again, obviously, the Mayans were uh, in Mexico, but I believe maybe that culture spread spread out even more. Um, but yeah, it was is very very interesting to to kind of learn about all that stuff. All of it makes sense, right? Offhand, it kind of makes sense. Like, oh yeah, all you see all these terms are on Spanish. I'm like, what? It, why? But then the origins are from Spanish conquistadors and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, do, do you have anything else you wanted to add to, to learned me, to make me learned about, uh, about kind of what's going on? So I had this, I have this whole write up about all these things I learned and I was going to try to sound smart. And to be completely honest, a lot of the information I got, which was very good, was from the cigar aficionado. I'm surprised mm. there's not like a pipe aficionado. I guess that's what Pipes Mag, the website, yeah. is in, in to some degree. But this is a fascinating website. There's a ton of articles that are very clearly written. And I kind of want to just, to be completely honest, for this first episode, as we we learn together, I want to read this long article on, on Cigar Aficionado. It's called A Brief History of the Cigar Industry, War, Revolution, and Regulation Have Failed to Snuff Out, Continuing story of the cigar great great Love subtitle it. there Love so this was written in 2012 so 
I'm going to, we're going to kind of read through a little bit and, and, you know, Nick and I are just going to talk about it and see where that takes us. But, but it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, one thing I do know, and then kind of brief, I'm going to skip kind of the intro is he's talking about during the nineties, late eighties, nineties, there was a huge decrease in cigar smoking. So, so much so that mm-hmm. folks thought it was just going to end forever. Uh, really? And, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was like really, really bad. And I thought that was quite, that was pretty interesting. And, and it's something I had known about, but I didn't know how, I mean, of course, if you're writing for the cigar, you know, aficionado, like the place to, to learn about cigars are going to make it sound probably a little bit worse than, than it <laughs> might've been, but it's, it's your passion. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm sure there's folks, you know, Rick Newcomb has definitely written about the tragedies that have befallen the pipe smoking world. And especially with, right. with when it comes to regulation, you know, so but now since we're living in, you know, especially for the new pipe smokers who are growing up in this regulation, they don't necessarily see it as a big deal. But when they tell you you can't smoke a pipe on a plane back in what the seventies, eighties or whatever, you know, that's, that's pretty, pretty drastic. You know, nowadays Literally. you can't smoke a pipe really anywhere. I mean, you kind of can in most places, but there's some cities that have no smoking ordinances and, you know, that that's, that's kind of common to us. So I can see from the perspective of someone who's really deep into the hobby that, you know, the, the decrease in sales and um, of course, regulation is going to be going to be pretty pressing, but we're going to start, uh, you know, at the beginning and you had mentioned Columbus and that, that was actually true. I mean, for the most part, when, when folks traveled from the, the uh, we, I love the story, like the, the new world from the old world to the new world. Uh, mm. to to learn about tobacco well they, they didn't do it to learn about tobacco but they learned a lot about tobacco <laughs> brought it back over and and a lot of good came uh to uh europe from from what they learned from the indigenous peoples but uh, I'm, I'm gonna read so this is gonna be not my words this is the words these are the words of david savana a gentleman who wrote this in october 2012 so he says, we've all heard the tale of Columbus witnessing Cuba's indigenous population twisting up tobacco leaves and enjoying a rustic smoke, and how the explorer brought the raw material back to Europe. Very on par with, uh, with pipes, right? Mm-hmm. Webster's, dates the, Webster's dates the origin of the word cigar back to 1730 from the Spanish cigarro. Cigarro. I don't know if that's Italian or Spanish. Cigarro. It, there we go. Yep, there we go. <laughs> and what it. we think of today is the cigar made of filler, binder, and wrapper. So this is the first thing we're going to ch- take a pause, a real brief pause on this very long mm. article. I now am learned and I know what makes up a cigar. Filler, binder, and wrapper. So by using my extrapolation skills, all three of those are tobaccos. And there's mm-hmm. no nothing in a cigar like a cigarette where there's just random, you know, pushed in there and, and carcinogenics yeah. and chemicals and all this crazy stuff but but we have these three ingredients uh in all forms of uh, tobacco so do these you know three which are, do you know which one's typically the highest quality out of those three is this a is this a test it is a test i know the answer Ooh. Hmm. well let me try to filler makes me sound makes it sound like it's inside that makes sense mm-hmm. binder is what binds them together <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. And then the wrapper. <laughs> I would say, I would say the, I kind of want to go with wrapper. You would be correct. Yeah. From, that makes from sense what I, to me. from what I read, the wrapper is typically the, the highest quality tobacco that they use. Um, 
Because well, I think I don't the know. whole cigar, I believe the whole cigar is is just rolled rolled leaves essentially. Yeah, I could be wrong. <laughs> but maybe we'll learn. Yeah, maybe we'll learn I mean, in this. This. <laughs> I mean, I mean, most ha- yeah, it's it's all just kind of rolled. Typically, for throughout history, it's been hand rolled, handmade. Uh, but more recently, they have you know they have machines mass producing cigars and and things like that. But yeah, the wrapper typically is the highest quality uh, tobacco that they have in the actual cigar. Hmm. Okay. Well, and that makes sense because that's like the direct contact you have with it. Right. So interesting. Anyway, so these three, so we're, we're talking made of filler binder and wrapper. Our cigarro appeared in an early 18th century, according to appeared in the early 18th century, according to tobacco and history and culture whoever they are. Spain developed quite a different appetite for cigars, one that exceeded its ability to produce them, leading the mm. Spanish in investment in its then colony of Cuba. Uh, Cuba. 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 <laughs> where cigar production began in earnest. The population of Havana boomed after the, the king of Spain declared free trade in 1818 in the country, which remained a Spanish colony until 98. It was during this time that Cuba's famous cigar brands were created. So, so Cuba becomes this hub. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why Cuba is now the, oh, is it a Cuban cigar? Oh, that's the best kind. It's like, why? Wow. Well, that makes sense because they started in, damn, 1818. Right? Dang. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. You go, yeah. To, you go to a restaurant, you want to go to the one with the most experienced guys. Does that make wow. sense? Uh, it it does make sense to me. And and I I wonder if it's also the quality is the highest as well. Because like, to be fair, you know, there could be just people pumping stuff out. Like McDonald's has a lot of experience in the fast food industry, That's but fair. it's that not is always fair. Okay. the highest quality. So, but continue, continue. I'm, I'm okay. interested okay. in learning. So a couple cigar companies were apparently formed. Uh, many Cuba's famous cigar brands were created. Punch was formed, P-U-N-C-H. Punch was formed in 1840 by a German the famous Patagas factory. <laughs> I don't know that, that I think okay, that didn't seem, sound German. I just assumed the P A R T A G with an accent. A S Patagas, probably somewhere in Cuba. Uh, it's built in 45 by Sp- okay. Spaniard, Jamie Patagas. <laughs> El Rey del Mundo and Sancho Panza uh, were created by the, the German Emil, Emilio Olmsted in eighteen forty eight. That was German. Okay, so so a bunch of bunch of guys they they started a cigar company one hundred years ago. Cigar smoking was quite common, and cigar factories seemed to be everywhere. The cigar profession commanded a fair amount of prestige at the turn of the century. Cigars were yeah. arguably the most popular product in America. Wow, yeah, even more so, than bread and milk. <laughs> Does it does it say that or no you, no that's a question no. I have that's a very I mean, bold statement. Well, you had a lot of uh, people from Cuba as well as other countries coming to the United States as well during that time. Um, not for the reasons they do today, but yeah. um, I think some folks. I think Tampa, the Tampa area in Florida, became a huge hub for oh, cigars for sure. at one point in the surrounding area in Tampa, it was called the cigar capital of the world that has since changed, 
But I mean, you had thousands and thousands um, of, or well over a thousand makers of cigars. A lot of them were like kind of like boutiques uh, from from what I was reading, just kind of like people rolling cigars. It's a shop, Dude, and then they would just dish them. Damn, out. that's that's spot so, on. So this this article goes on to say cigars were so after this very bold statement, most popular <laughs> product in America. Almost every city in the East and Midwest had at least one cigar factory. These factories were not necessarily large operations, and many were simply a person in a room rolling cigars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. that is pretty cool. I've actually seen a human roll a cigar. Wow, really? I'm sure a lot of people have, but but at the Chicago Pipe Show, there's actually a scene in, in one of the YouTube videos, that, I guess the only one of the Chicago Pipe Show. Yeah, check out the... Man, you don't have to watch this video just for a 10-second b-roll shot but but there was a woman from some hispanic country and she was just rolling cigars it was it was freaking beautiful didn't understand a single word i think she only spoke spanish but uh yeah she was sitting there in the corner just rolling cigars you can buy one i wish i had bought one uh, but it, it was cool and it, it, it there's a lot of care in the cigar like you know what i mean like where the cool thing the interesting thing about cigars is you they're essentially artisans you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I would imagine there's, I'm imagining there's factories that roll cigars for, like, there, there's probably no hand in it. Like, I, I feel like technology. Yeah, kind of like far. factory or a like machine. A machine rolled or whatever. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. must be, but I, mean, I, I would imagine that's probably most of them or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, it was cool to see, like, a, quote, artisan, the, the akin to an artisan pipe maker. Um, you know, roll a cigar. So, but, but yeah, in that some, case, it's, it's all one deal. It's all the person, you know, has the leaf, they roll it and then you can smoke it. Whereas the pipe, the guy makes the wood and then what you smoke right. is none of his business. So you'll see on uh, packages or I don't think the individual cigars, but maybe like a, if you get a box of cigars, uh, it, it'll say a couple of things. I think one of them is, what is it? Um, H.O. Hecho and mano, or something like made made by hand. Um, oh, okay. It'll 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 denote whether something is handmade or not. Um, I haven't seen that and haven't really looked at it. Uh, look for it closely, but next time I go into my local shop, I'm definitely going to be trying to find maybe some that are handmade. And I wonder if there are any and kind of shops like the one that I have kind of more cigar focused, but, or if it's more like they're just carrying the big brands that people want and things that they can yeah. push out. But anyways, something, something to look into. No, for sure. So, so as I continue reading, interestingly enough, cigar sales were largely flat in the 1940s and 1950s. So we're, we're skipping ahead here a little bit in time. And most of the cigars made in America outside of Florida were being made by machine. On the premium end of the cigar business, America had Americans had a great appreciation of Cuban tobacco. Almost all of it rolled in Tampa, Florida. There we go. As Tampa again. Uh, into cigars, which were known as clear Havanas. And they were inexpensive. Arturo Fuente sold a diminutive size known as the Breva for 10 cents a piece. At the time, pre-embargo, most cigars in the United States were considered premium were a quarter. Oh, okay. So, so Mr. Fuente comes in here. As a banger, you know, cigar charges 10 cents, which is insanity. Granted, it is 40s inflation and all that, but, you know, I paid $15 for 
the other day. 15 for, for a cigar. Wow. And it wasn't a Cuban. Not that I know nowadays if that matters, but uh so so <laughs> pretty interesting, man. So I guess they're they're saying that he could have made sold those for sixty five cents, so much more than a quarter. That was kind of the the analysis of some cigar guy. Fidel Castro's rise to power in Cuba in the late nineteen fifties would forever change the, the world of cigars. In nineteen sixty, Castro seized control of Cuba's cigar and tobacco industry, and his regime plunked the country's cigar gems and nationalized what seems to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine ish cigar brands, including that punch from uh, the very, very beginning, uh, and grabbed them all. They came inside and said, we're here to intervene the company. Classic communism. And uh, <laughs> they didn't allow me to take anything, one of the the, the old former owners had, had said. That's interesting. So, so, dude, isn't that crazy? That is insanity. One guy just comes the- to power and just like, oh, all these businesses, and they're mine. Dude. And you can't take anything. It's it's kind of surreal, like the fact that one person can do that. And like, I don't know, it's hard, you know, not don't want to get political here and all that stuff, but calling anyways, just just the idea of people throwing out the words fascist and and even communist on the other side. Like, yeah, that's true. You can you can joke around with some stuff but it's like you don't know real communism like the bad kind until you've experienced something like that so you see a lot of people in the former soviet union um who are like what the heck like why are you why are you talking about this stuff or why do you believe in this stuff it's it's literally what we ran away from um which is can be sad you know that's why and this is again just literally this is apolitical this is just like f- facts i'll say is that's why you see a lot of people in florida kind of going what we would call conservative republican because they've seen you know the the what happened in cuba they moved or escaped cuba um in the 60s 70s 80s whenever and uh, moved to Florida, Miami, and all that stuff, and yeah, they kind of they kind of understand what happened, and it's not it's not too fun, especially when one person just steals everything from you. Yeah, so and, and imagine we can see how there was probably a, a decline at that point in time in cigars. So the nationalization of Cuba's cigar industry led to the exile of many of its famed tobacco and cigarmen, which led to the rise of non-Cuban cigar industry. When U.S. President John F. Kennedy signed an embargo prohibiting nearly all trade between Cuba and the United States in 62, it forced cigar makers to reinvent their blends. Cuban leaf, the lifeblood of the cigar industry, was now off limits to American smokers. So, so we're going to kind of tie this to pipe smoking. It sounds like if someone put like an embargo on America and we, we just got rid of like Virginia, mm. like we couldn't, we couldn't export Virginia tobacco. I'm sure Virginia can be grown to a degree in other places. There's probably, mm. there's very similar climates out there, uh, but, but it would never be original. Just like kind of how Syria, uh, we can also apply it to uh, the Syrian Latakia. You know, you can't get Syrian Latakia. There's just no one over there to, in the war torn country to, to grow this stuff. The closest thing we have is Cyprian Latakia, uh, which we can still get, but it is different. It's, it's, it is slightly different though. It is at the, it, 
the same time, Latakia. It just or, originates from two different locations. And that climate, and that's the whole thing with tobacco. You know, you can replicate the methods, but it's the soils that give it the flavor. It's the time, mm. it's the, the weather, the, the constant um, environment in that area. It's very interesting. Yeah, I actually thought you were saying Cyprian wrong by saying Syrian because I did not personally realize there was Latakia grown in Syria. It's very interesting. Oh, so this, yeah, you're right because you became a cigar, uh, a pipe smoker when there was no Syrian Latakia. (laughs) That's so interesting. Yes, (laughs) Syrian Latakia was was pretty much done in like 2018, 2019 for the most part. That was that was kind of like the last. Rob, you might find some some tens of 2019 stuff with Syrian, but realistically, mm. honestly, I would bet all of that stock was was old stock, you know, just yeah. already imported. Um, but yeah, that's super interesting, interesting. man. That, and now, Where, nowadays, no one's thinking about it. Yeah, because there's a terrible civil war, or I guess it's probably a global war at this point, but like all these countries. But yeah, it's it's super interesting because like that area of the world is just so amazing to me it's like kind of unfortunate what's happening a producer wife was able to go to jordan um, and they actually share a border with syria and uh, some of the stuff the history in jordan oh yeah different different climate wise but it's just like such a the the cradle of civilization so to speak is Mm -hmm. what what they call it it's i can imagine that that latakia was pristine and just probably it was everyone Wonderful. preferred it to everyone Cyprian. preferred Siri. Most companies like it was it was one of those things where you'd see Cyprian and it was it was more so to be different than the Syrian, mm. not necessarily because it was better. Um So I mean, question for you then is like is that kind of the same thing as Perique with this Latakia like is there Perique grown in other places or is it only the, the St. James Parish kind of down Louisiana? That's, that's the only place where Perique is grown or if it's grown elsewhere, it's not a real Perique type of thing. Yeah. If you were to grow Perique outside of St. James Parish, it would be not Perique because uh, the whole thing is uh, so it's the soil. Again, we're talking about soil. It's rich in alluvial. I don't know what that is, but I just know that that's kind of the, the thing that makes Perique Perique. And uh, yeah, there's like hundreds and hundreds of acres out there where it can be done. But for the most part, if you try to grow Perique somewhere else, I, I would imagine it just wouldn't be a thing. And uh, the same with like Latakia, like you can't just start growing Latakia in Kentucky. It's just not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah. it, but at the same time, Latakia undergoes a process. And, and so it, we got to get a tobacconist on here, like someone who understands the leaf to its core. I, I just know the the surface level stuff. And then of course I'm still learning, but you know, the, even, even the company, like, I mean, you know, Jeremy, you know, Greg, even Mary McNeil, like all these people who do having Joe Langford on would have been amazing. Um, rest in peace to him. But yeah, man, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, and imagine, you know, tobacco is tobacco. So cigar is going to be the same way. And uh, yeah. So, so kind of circling back to, to our little tale here, when you get rid of, what, what what they quote is the lifeblood of of their cigars. That's pretty crazy. You got to reinvent like every single cigar. Yeah. And if you can that to, if you if you transfer that over to to pipe tobacco, the, all of your blends have to change. That's pretty wild. 
Yeah. If so, I wouldn't be a, I'm glad I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd bet that that would not work out. Yeah. But I mean, I wonder if they stayed, do you know, do you know if they stayed in Cuba? Like they leave, did Castro even let them leave? I wonder. So, yeah. So, so, so Castro just took over completely. And so, so Cuban cigars were still being made. And that's why, I mean, you could still get them very mm-hmm. illegally uh, after the embargo, but right. yeah, I mean, Castro was the, the, the country, the, the, the communist government was, was profiting off it, not the company owners. Actually, they were literally just kicked out. All right, this is my country. Get the hell out, which is, which is crazy. I don't know how that then changed when Castro was, you know, He did. He did the. Adam did the, the cutthroat. I did the. Yeah. You know, once. One. You know. Like. Once. Once that. I mean, Cuba's still a pretty interesting place in the world. You know what I mean? Like they're not. You haven't heard much. They, I haven't heard much about it lately. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I mean, there's a lot. A lot of other stuff going on in the world. I mean. Yeah. Russia sending fair. nukes there again. Fair, I don't know. I mean. I'm just saying they're not wanna, they're not voting every four years for a new president. And, <laughs> you know, having lawmakers decide whether they should they make aren't. tobacco laws or not. So, um, but anyway, back to our tale. As we continue okay. to learn, uh, many of Cuba's exiled cigar, cigar makers made deals with American cigar companies to license or sell their cigar brand names, resulting in non-Cuban versions of uh, several companies that I cannot pronounce because they're all in Spanish. <laughs> Other cigars strictly sold in the United States. The landmark 1972 lawsuit Men- Menendez v. Faber, Co. and Greg established a legal precedent in which the rights of the owners to sell their non-Cuban versions were upheld by American law. That's interesting. So was there was there a law that said they couldn't sell their non-Cuban versions? I, it seems as if there was. Just because they were associated with Cuba? I do not know that. Does does seem like that though. But it's it's interesting. Dude, that's why regulation stinks and stuff. So like in my in my current state in business, I'm working for a small company. There's like three of us total. My manager used to own this other construction company. Uh it was bought out by big Volvo, like Volvo construction equipment for I don't know how much, a lot of money. Um, his non-compete was over, left, and started a new company. Anyways, they're trying to like tear us down. Like they're trying to yeah. prevent us from buying stuff and doing all these things. But they have there's like opportunities for both of us to do business with one another. And it's like they don't. And my my issue with all that, which it relates to regulation in this way, is like we're both benefiting from this. Like especially things like this. Like we would both be making money. We would both be benefiting. Like why why is it that like there would be a law like this that just prevents, especially in the seventies, fifty, sixty, seventies, when clearly smoking was still in favor in most part. I know it waned in the eighties and nineties, maybe even early seventies, but like it was still part of our culture as a whole. So it's like, oh, yeah. why, why would you not? Everyone's making money here. You can tax it or whatever you want. It's just, it's unfortunate. Like in, in that sense. But anyways, I'll get off, I'll get off my little, 
little crate there, my little milk stand. What, what do you call <laughs> Your it? little milk crate is like, crate. all right, get off. Get out of my I crate. think it's soapbox is what they're, they're saying, but I can see I like you just on your milk crate in the, in the, the streets of New York City <laughs> with your newspaper. Give us our tobacco. Cigars banned, pipes banned. Tobacco. <laughs> Okay, so by the mid eight by the mid nineteen eighties, the Dominican Republic was a hotspot for making cigars. In the nineteen nineties, it became the center of the cigar universe. Imports of premium handmade cigars began to climb towards the end of nineteen ninety two. Soon after, Cigar Aficionado magazine appeared in September of that year. The American cigar market was turned on its head. It would go through a period of unimaginable growth. Premier cigar imports rose by three point seven percent. 9.7%, 12.4%, 33%, uh, and the following years soared 66.7%. So that was from, I just I just skipped telling you the years. It was 92, 93, 94. Maybe I should have because now it just, just took extra time to, <laughs> to, to clarify why talk lot when talk short. <laughs> when few word do better. Okay, oh, man. so but, in 1996, great year, more than 293 million cigars uh, were, were being produced. Uh, wow. That's a huge, 90, in 96, in the market for fine cigars nearly tripled. Okay, so between 92 and 96. One thing I was actually reading about Cigar Aficionado is that they kind of said screw you to a lot of, I think it was like voluntary stuff from the government. I don't think there was anything mandatory. I could be very wrong at this and this may have changed, but they kind of put the glamour in cigars, like in the industry. Like they kind of showed that, oh, cigar smoking is cool. You had the Michael Jordans of the world in the 90s, smoking his cigars, winning however many championships, five championships for, I don't know. I'm not a sports guy. But, uh, you know, you got Michael Jordan smoking his cigars. You have all these famous people doing it. You got the cool people doing it. Even today, they, it's still kind of a popular thing. You got freaking Liver King, bro. The first king. He always smokes cigars, even though yeah, he's, every, a, dude. he's a, you know, he's a figure that not many people like, but you see. No one knows did. who that is, but you and I. I know. I love it. There's Look like up probably seven of our thousand listeners who <laughs> know who that is. And you keep referencing him. And I keep, I keep kind of skipping past it because no one's going to get it. it. I love it. But it's so funny. You know, this is our podcast. We can talk about what we want. But anyways, it's uh yeah, I mean, it's still associated with kind of like a high class thing, and I think, well, yeah, as they, I would say both high class and like success and success, yes, you know, yeah. masculinity, whether you're a woman or not, like that is a it is a masculine is. trait to, to smoke. I would say, argue, I would argue, extremely more so than pipes. If anything, mm-hmm. pipes could be considered a little bit more feminine. I think they are, yeah. um, and again, not a bad thing. But, right. but yeah, man, you're right. You, you see, like you win, you win the Super Bowl. Guys are, you know, ripping cigars, and uh, it's like that that celebratory thing. People who don't even know what tobacco is will will smoke a cigar on you know, high school right. graduation. You know, when you get recognized as into the army as a uh, soldier from basic training or whatever the hell. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's still. I mean. Most life celebrations are celebrated with cigars, typically, at least in American culture. I got uh, cigars again from from Mike from the Discord. He sent me uh, a pack of cigars, and I forget which. I know he keep he's asked me. I keep forgetting which one I smoked. I have the. Uh, I always save the wrappers of uh, cigars I smoke in a in a little little jar, kind of that I have. It's in there somewhere. 
pretty sure I marked it down. But yeah, he sent me cigars, smoked it for kind of in celebration of the baby girl being born. Like it's a, I think that that um, aspect of cigars is really good. I, I think all of it's yeah. good. I think it's, I, it's I would great argue that, it. I would argue it evokes a different emotion than mm-hmm. that of a pipe, yeah. you know? So, so even, even if you are casually smoking a cigar, it doesn't have to be because you won the big game. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. And, and, and it 99 times out of 10, out of a hundred, 99 times out of 10, 99 <laughs> times out of a hundred, man, it's, it's, it's not that. And it's always just like a, you know, a gentleman smoking on a Sunday. So he enjoys cigars yeah. or going to a cigar bar on a Friday and just have some drinks and, and smoke with his, with his friends and uh every now and then more so than pipes i will say i see i see a guy smoking a cigar I saw this the other day on my, actually on our way from charlotte uh after the concert I saw a guy smoking a cigar in like an old red pickup truck it's oh, like a yeah. ford dude from like 1963 or something his wife is in the car like they're both uh, seem seemingly married for a very very long time old folks man and this guy's just dude. chewing on a cigar the chewing. whole cabin is just it's opaque he's hot box from he's hot boxing. you know and, and it's definitely a different time you know wives nowadays husbands nowadays to be honest like no one would be cool with yeah. that you know friends nowadays wouldn't be cool with that but but you know hey mrs uh red truck guy's wife was uh <laughs> was just sitting there taking it all in <laughs> no windows open maybe just barely yeah. cracked or something but but yeah man it, it, it is interesting it's it will always be the the leader in in, in tobacco. I think I think one day will uh, transcend that of of c- cigarettes. I don't pipes will never ever go beat will never beat cigars where they're at now. Mm. But you know we're we're fortunate that for the most part um, there's been some changes. But for the most part, you know a lot of these cigar companies are kind of going to bat with uh with pipe tobacco and, and pipes and all that. But um, kind of going back to this article as we're kind of on the the topic of regulation. They write, anti-smoking regulations in the U.S. were still in their infancy during the cigar boom. So that that late mid to, to early to mid-90s restaurants, uh, those who go to restaurants were eagerly welcomed to, for cigar lovers. Uh, cigar bars were opening, cigar diners and dinners were open, opening. Cigar aficionados, the, the magazine, I believe, Big Smokes brought cigar lovers in mass. So Okay, so Big Smokes maybe was their, their thing. I think that's the, the title of a their magazine cigar shops expanded and new ones opened a traditional cigar company tried to expand their operations and newcomers flocked to the cigar industry creating brand after brand after brand so many many brands are coming out so so it is actually booming this is a real boom um Mm. people dug old cigars out of humidors and basements (laughs) you and me yes because we don't know how to humidor yet we'll we'll, we'll kind of wrap (laughs) up our humidor experience at the end humidate humidor humid humidify humidify uh, hoping to cash in at an auction, the average price of a, a box of pre-embargo Cubans. Oh, here we go. Uh, sold at go. sold at Christie's, whatever that is. Soared from less than five hundred dollars in ninety-two to nearly twenty-five hundred <laughs> in the mid nineteen uh, nineteen ninety, so ninety-six or so. And, and that's all from demand. You know what I mean? Like, dude, it's just strictly from demand. The, the product was the same. And, you know, that's, that's see, like again, relating back to pipe tobacco. Like, I love the fact that people will buy three to $400 tins of tobacco. I will never do it. I will never encourage anyone to do it. But the fact that that exists is awesome. 
I love that. I think it's so cool. I think I, I, I also like hearing when like super rare things like break records for thing. It's like someone bought that. Like they're, someone yeah. just has this in their house and they're just showing it off and I'll never have it. And that's fine. But it's like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I, I think it's fascinating, man. You know, and, and it is. There, there's Maybe just so much. There's just so much nuance that goes into this too. And 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 though we do at at our, at our core believe when comparing to the pipe, it is take stick off wall and smoke. Uh, but but I'm reading here, most of the popular cigars in the 1990s were often made of a mild Dominican filler. So we know that that's one aspect because we learned it earlier. Wrapped mm-hmm. with a mild leaf of Connecticut shade. Didn't know Connecticut had quality <laughs> tobacco. Um, cigar makers emboldened by their increased sales made more flavorful blends. So we're thinking probably aromatic ones that Steve Saka said, these are not cool. Let's make some better ones. Uh, but in the late 95 release of Fuente Fuente Opus X, that's one thing, <laughs> helps spark a trend toward more powerful spicy smokes. Cuban seed tobaccos and Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian Sumatra, like the coffee, I guess, Rappers became increasingly popular and cigar smokers learned the term ligero, describing the strongest variety of filler tobacco. Dude, there's just so much here. Cigar sales grew, so did the girth measured in ring gauge. I actually know this. It's ring gauge is it's by 64ths of an inch. Mm. So it's like you can have a cigar that's like 42 64ths, and that's that's how you measure it i guess or, or, or it's, it's it's very interesting um so i guess larger was getting more popular one retailer said that in 1990 almost 80 percent of his sales came from the very slim long lonsdales and corona sizes so that sounds small judging by the very slim but by 99 1996 his sales came almost from all fat robustos and corona gordas gorda means fat that's what i know so <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting, man. And, and another thing I was seeing how the there was brand loyalty, and, and cigar lovers were not only buying w- buying more cigars; they were they had radically changed their buying habits. So before 1992, says some guy who's a cigar guy, uh, retailer owner of Ashton Brand. Okay, Robert Levin. Ashton is a they do cigars, but they also have phenomenal pipe tobacco. We're thinking oh. uh, Artisan's Best. Is it? Oh man, one of my favorite uh, Latakia mixtures, English blends, artisans, artisans mixture, artisans blend. I don't know. Ashen makes makes some some really really high quality pipe tobacco. Uh, so 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 Robert Levin says people would be brand loyal, come in once a week for a box of cigars for one particular brand. Now they come in with ratings and they want to buy a bunch of different brands. The sale of singles quickly replaced the box sale. Mm. It, that's exactly what we're seeing in the pipe tobacco industry, man. Right, and that's what Brian releases. People are buying one ten at a time. We're we're not, yeah, like Brian's grandfather. We're not buying, you know, whatever Paladin tin or whatever the hell he had for, you know, a pound a week, two pounds a week, or whatever the hell. It's crazy, man. Yeah, and it's what's interesting is that was thirty years ago at this point. That was thirty years ago, bro. And it's like it was happening then. So all these trends, all these things that we think are new, and it's like, oh craft brew and i mean to be fair we saw some of that even as we were growing up like we saw a lot of the the niche kind of things growing the the uh subscription boxes i think that has kind of come and gone in a way 
maybe not entirely, but all these kind of niche single things. Yeah, it's going on back even back 30 years ago, which is uh weird to think about, but so so this 1990s boom was no was no joke. No joke. True, clearly. I'm seeing newcomers arrived in droves. Cash in tow, Honduras, Nicaragua, especially the Dominican Republic. New factories appeared across the Dominican Republic, hiring away talented cigar makers. Some factories ran double shifts to keep up the demand. At one point, there was a 25 million cigar order, or, or, or 25 million cigars on back order. Bro. That's a lot. That's a, lot. That's a huge million. back order. <laughs> uh, tobacco companies planted seeds in such unlikely places. Peru. Colombia, Panama, even Canada. The cigar what? factories are opening in Indonesia, Ecuador, and elsewhere. The once anemic industry trade show expanded from a few dozen booths to hundreds and, and some enterprising and attendees went so far as to sell their badges to, to those hoping to get inside. Dude, they had, so their cigar shows were crazy. Dang, crazy. Gosh, man. See, this is, when I read stuff like this, it gives it does give me hope because this is still in the 90s and and while i'm sh- i'm hoping to to learn as we continue to move forward with the series uh what the status is of cigars today but it, it's it's still huge you you mm. you go to any kind of city and there's going to be several cigar stores several oh, yeah i many I mean, walk-in humidors where you just yeah. it's just a wall walls and walls of you know wrapped cigars yeah it's uh it's interesting because that's pretty much all i see i mean you get the vapes and the whatever smoke shop but they at least around me typically all have some sort of humidor which uh which kind of goes to show what what the industry is focused on for sure oh yeah and of course the the money made so we're, we're looking at money. While the market for cigars is far larger on a unit scale, the impact of the past 20 years is far more pronounced when you look at it in the overall value of the market. The average price of a premium cigar in 1990 was $1.75, according to Cigar Insider. Given the U.S. premium cigar industry, a market value of $186 million. The average price of a cigar rose to $3.23 by 1996, giving the market a value of close to $1 billion. Damn. So just in th- in... in Less than a decade. That is a huge 186 million to 1 billion in, in market value. Today, cigar prices, this is again 2020. Today, cigar prices have pushed even higher while there are bargains to be found, most lie in the five to seven dollar range. So I think we can kind of, you know, use some brain power here. I would I would imagine it that current range is probably seven to nine. That's probably fair. Right. Many cigars sell for around ten dollars, and special cigars push the upper limits of a premium cigar. Pricing to twenty five, thirty, and more per cigar. That is something I never knew. I've always wondered how much this stuff was, because uh, I would always equate it to tobacco. I was like, is it higher for the better? I mean, for the most part, with pipe tobacco, it's generally the same. You know, there's right. there, the 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 mo- more expensive tobacco is because it's rare and you can't get it. But that's not because it's necessarily a higher quality. It's not like Cornell and deals like, hey, let's just throw this blend and. This, this type of tobacco in there, now it's going to cost us uh, $40 a tin. You know, the only $40 tins you're getting are by weight. It's just it's just right. like a, a 100 gram tin or whatever. But yeah, I mean, my my 
are still well cigars at 15 i think that's that's considered a mm. an, a more expensive cigar so i would i would argue yeah. based on my understanding very limited 7 to 9 is probably the current uh, average retail price of premium cigar rated by either cigar aficionado or cigar insider in 2012 is $9.51 so we definitely have some kind of premium cigar allegedly at the average mm-hmm. price the us premium cigar market would value of 2.6 billion in 2012 i'm curious what it is now man so I guess that kind of wraps up the, a lot, a lot, a lot of learning here, but um, the cigar world has been completely unforgettably transformed. Cigar makers work alongside their sons and daughters and no one who makes a cigar in 2012 worries that consumers down the road will lose their interest in their product. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, 10 years later after this article, man, I, that was, that was accurate. Um, they're, they're still huge. They're still keeping, they're keeping me in business. You know what I mean? Indirectly. Yeah. I think what I've seen um, in looking at kind of the trends of how pipe tobacco is going, how cigarettes, tobacco in general are going, I think it's actually increasing. Um, Not a lot year over year. We're not having those 66% increases of sales and stuff like that. But I think there's been a change in advertising, a change in push in the way cigars and tobacco in and of itself is viewed um, I think there was some, uh, some issues with the COVID pandemic in terms of people smoking because it was a respiratory illness. People don't want to do it or add any whatever. Um, or I think maybe that that's what the industry people thought they were going to see and it didn't actually turn out that way. Um, but a lot of places are transitioning to the more vapor slash healthier healthier versions of tobacco and stuff like that the vapes and everything like that yeah. but man there's there's a place for cigars there's always going to be a place yeah for yeah no there there absolutely is because i'm reading this right now and i just want to do some external research yes dude i'm feeling producer guy right now yeah uh, according are, to a report by grandview research the global cigar market size was valued at 17.31 billion in oh. 2020 in 2020 which is pretty crazy because we know uh, well, I guess it depends on when they took that figure because 2020 was right when, you know, COVID hit. So I'm, right. I'm sure that did expect. But at, at the time of 2020, is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate, CAGR, of 12% from 2021 to 2028. This indicates that the cigar business is, is a significant industry with a substantial market value. However, it is essential to note that the market value of cigar business can vary based on various factors such as market demand, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, that's literally what the definition of you know, market value is, but anyway, so <laughs> damn, 17 billion. So that's significantly higher than the 2.6. Gosh, that's crazy. And what's interesting is in the United States, our government officials just uh, passed a resolution to allow smoking back into their office buildings, which is a cool thing. I know Brian had mentioned that on his pipe smag show, I forget what episode, uh, but one of the more recent ones as of this episode releasing. Um, but yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, dude, it's such a classic, classic image in your head of that politician kind of sitting back, smoking a stogie and freaking, you know, doing politician things, probably not the best doing some shady stuff, but it's like, <laughs> Hey, well maybe, yeah. maybe they'll be less shady if they have a cigar, or, you know, some kind of tobacco to go. kind of and nicotine drive them and maybe calm them, yeah. focus them a little bit. Hey, don't do bad stuff. 
don't do bad stuff. But yeah, man, I mean, I've even just um, in this discussion um, and, and what we've done leading up to this, I've learned a lot. Um, I'm excited to smoke our cigars. Um, I think that I really want to focus on the flavors. I think that's something that's I've never done. I've never really done with a cigar. I've definitely done it with tobacco, but I, I don't think I've ever really focused on okay, what is a cigar tasting? Um, is this lighter? Is this heavier? Is this, what kind of mouthfeel is it giving it uh, to me? Is it spicy? Is it clean? Is it smooth? So I think really focusing in one day again, when, uh, <laughs> as we kind of talked, when I'm able to find time uh, to really sit down and do that and enjoy those moments, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm going to have all this on my mind. I'm going to think about the the rise of cigars, the fall, the the rebirth in the 90s, and kind of what we have today as, as it's growing more and more seemingly every year. Um, and thank you for that because that, that keeps our, our pipes filled with tobacco as well, clearly. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's fascinating. I think that was a great you know, point to enter with our Humor the Humidor series you know getting a general overview of you know the market i think that i think that's what's really important um you know we generally understand that guys old guys long time hundreds of years ago wrapped tobacco smoked it and and that is great that's a great origin story but but understanding how the market is affected today where we're at today um is is, is super interesting and i think it's super important um, I think next next time we hit the series, I don't know when it'll be. Uh, let's be completely honest. I'll be up front with you guys. It'll probably be a while, um, but it was fun, man. So I, I have, there's so much we want to learn. I think next time we're going to hit like shapes, shape sizes, all that kind of stuff. And True. and uh, give us some feedback, man. Give us give us feedback on on how this went. If you think we we should you know kind of morph it. This was a little impromptu in terms of how we wanted to approach the first one because it's so there's just so much. And, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily going to be a let, let get piped in producer guy, teach you guys about cigars. It's more of a, Hey, we want to learn. And we're going to kind of chat with chat about it. Give us our thoughts and see how we can link it to the pipe smoking and pipe tobacco. But yeah, man, I thought I had a lot of fun. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying, this will be a good one to kind of listen back and I can kind of hear that, you know, that article once more, but, but I guess the takeaways, man, thank goodness. Thank goodness. We have, uh, had a cigar boom you know it's this is like got to be the first time in tobacco history where you know freaking tobacco farmers and dealers you know smoke shops are able to make like a decent living you know it's because of these guys that i can buy a a pipe tobacco in a store it's because it's because of the cigar boom that i can buy a pipe in a store and i mean those things just would not exist if it wasn't for the cigar boom we'd be very ignorant to to think that a, a at least a brick and mortar store today can th- survive and thrive off of just the sale of of pipes and tobacco it's just it's just not realistic um you know so super interesting man and, and that's why and at the end of the day that's why i want to pay tribute pay homage to to our cigar you know smoking cousins essentially to understand why why they are how they are what they are because we we reap so many benefits um from them being pipe smokers
Sigmoods. Sigmoods. Let's go. We got two today. We got a little Ask Adam Anything. And we got a little bit of Legends of the Pipe. Heck yeah, March is coming up, so we're gonna we're gonna give you some insight into Legends of the Pipe. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, we got a little AAA, a little Ask Adam Anything. For those of you who do not know what Ask Adam Adam Anything is, this is where the community asks Adam questions. We always do two questions. Uh, it's just 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 kind of what we do, and all these questions are from our discord our galactic get piped pipe club you can join with a link in the show notes but yeah this is a this is where we're gonna ask adam a little couple questions so adam are you ready yes yes okay you better be so the first question again from our discord is from fergus falls tom he asks when do you think pipe smoking shifts from being a hobby to becoming a lifestyle. Ooh, dang. No, that's a great question, man. I think um, everyone listening has already transcended uh, from, from hobby to lifestyle. I prefer to... Re- this is a tough one because I, I, I prefer to refer to it as a, mm. as a hobby. I think it just, it just, it's easy to say, like, this is my hobby. I'm very into it. Hobbies don't don't have to be like a a casual thing like you can put a lot of heart and soul into these hobbies i've seen some seen some, a lot of facebook posts you know some of the facebook pipe community guys will say something like i i hate seeing people refer to this as a hobby this is an art you know hmm. this is a, you know it's like dude tomato tomato and tomato you know what i mean like Literally. it's the same thing you know what i mean and, and but but at the core of your question I, I can see what you're saying and i do think it's a good question tom i appreciate it but I, I would argue you're at the you're in the lifestyle of pipe smoking when you're when you're listening to pipe smoking podcasts when you're in the groups sharing pictures of your recent acquisitions when you're headed at pipe shows you know it it and you don't have to be necessarily like sharing you could just be kind of on the receptive end you know there's a lot of folks who just browse Instagram or or whatever and you know just appreciate I would imagine that that's lifestyle when you, when you start taking it further outside of just smoking your pipe you know so when we talk about uh when we well, rather when we refer when we revert back to that episode with brian brian had talked about 10 percent of pipe smokers are enthusiasts i think if you're an enthusiast you're in the lifestyle category and i think i also think it might be a little disingenuous to say that though because if a gentleman has been smoking a pipe for 40 years is never going to listen to the Get Pipe podcast, never going to listen to Pipes Magazine, never going to go to a pipe show, but he's been smoking a damn pipe every day. That's a lifestyle. So there's kind of a duality here that I don't, I don't really know how to pinpoint it, but I guess, I guess I'm, I'm attributing the word lifestyle to mean enthusiast, but how, how do I tell a man who's been smoking a pipe every day for 40 years that he's not an enthusiast? I don't know. You know, I I like to, I kind of like the default here to the, the side of listening to the shows man going to shows listening to the, the youtube pipe community kind of stuff you know it's i'm I'm attributing this to to folks who want more than what they can provide themselves via smoking a pipe via buying a tin of tobacco you know we're thinking the folks who go to you know their local 
cigar bar every single Friday night to, to smoke a pipe with a couple buddies. They're part of the pipe smoking clubs. You know, we're talking Seattle, we're talking Chicago, you know, Ohio, like all these, all these pretty incredible places. They just want more and more and more. I would say that at that point, it's no longer quote a hobby, uh, but understanding that hobby lifestyle art, whatever you want to call it, if you're, you know, that they're all essentially one and the same to me, but you know, for lack of, for lack of a better, uh, long winded, you know, thing, I'll, <laughs> let's end with this. If you're listening to this you're you're, you're in the lifestyle, you know what I mean? Heck yeah. All right. I love it, man. I love it. All right. Second question. Second to last question. When does a pipe maker become an artisan pipe maker? Is there a difference? And That's this a shit question. Who asked that? <laughs> I was just about to say it. I was going to be so happy. I was like, this is such a good question. <laughs> it's from me. No, I, I, I read it. I, I can see him. I pulled it up. Yeah, um, dang. Dude, that, that is a phenomenal question, man. It, it really is. And, and for all the folks who were wondering that question before they knew that I knew it was you, they're just like, oh my gosh, he's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Now I got to keep producer guy humble. Um, no, man, it, it is a great question. Okay. So I, to, to this day, you know that meme to this day, to this day, this, you said it's a I meme. What, yeah. It's, I don't know what film it's from, but there's this guy. It's just, he just yells that to this, um, day. to this day. I will say an artisan pipe maker is anybody who makes a pipe from start to finish. You can probably hear Nimbus in the background. We're not going to edit him out because uh, he's, he's so, so sweet cute. and he oh doesn't jump gosh, on here yes. too often, um, but he's very excited for uh, some dinner. But um, no, so I, I will I will hold on to the idea that anyone who makes a pipe start to finish is a artisan pipe maker. And the caveat here is hand cutting your own stems. So if you are using the, for, or not the forever stems, the, uh, the pre-cut stems, great way to start, arguably the way to start. But at that point, I would argue you're still a hobbyist, a hmm. hobbyist type maker. Um, and I, I don't know necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call that an artisan. Now, in terms of making a piece of art at the art, that's tough, man. I mean, he, like, I think a guy who's selling his third pipe, artisan pipe maker, man. But, but I can totally see that there is a, a, a gap. You know, there's there's a reason Lars Iverson is Lars Iverson, and you know, guy whose name we don't know of is because we don't know his name. He's not even popular yet. But, um, I, I really do prefer to look at it like paintings. Some paintings, for some reason, other than the fact that one's clearly better than another, but at the end of the day, you know surface level if i'm looking at two paintings i I probably wouldn't be able to tell you which one is worth more you know and and a lot of that goes back to the artist a lot of how many thousands and thousands of of paintings have they made how many thousands thousands of pipes have they made um you know that's that's a good question man but but i guess i'll kind of default by saying every single person who makes a a pipe from start to finish um being the 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 kicker here with that hand cut stem whether it's good or bad um I'd argue as an artisan pipe maker in it. And I think that's something I had, I had a really unpleasant conversation with a gentleman who, and I've alluded to this cause it's just throughout the, throughout the whole course of get pipe podcast. Um, yeah. And I, and I kind of want to get open with you guys. He was a pipe maker and 
he was, I remember bringing up another pipe maker, asking him for his opinion on some of his work. I, I admired both of these two gentlemen's works. And he's like, oh, that person, he's got great work, but he's not an artisan. He's a great factory pipe maker. I was like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> this gentleman is not, in fact, a factory. He, he does not have large industrial machinery to, to, to do this like that. His arms are not a giant lathe that just Whoa. turns bowls, you know. Um, but uh, he's like, no, no, no. Like, like his quality is, is very factory pipe maker so I, I consider him a factory pipe maker um like but these like they're good factory pipes and this is these are quotes man and he said once but once he refers to himself as an artisan once he refers to himself as creating an artisanal piece of work i will lose all respect for him and i i like could not i could not wrap my head around that freaking sentence um and uh to this day i will never, uh, I, will never buy, I will never buy a pipe from that individual i'll never own one um, who does have beautiful work too. That guy is an artisan pipe maker. Like he, he's got beautiful freaking pipes. Um, but, but there's no room for that, man. And it, it, it totally turned me off. Um, and I, and I totally disagree. And he's been smoking pipes longer than me. He's been making pipes longer than I've been smoking them, if that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I, I still disagree. I still think I'm right. And I will hold to, to my guns here. And if you make a pipe, um, you know, <clears throat> Get get the pre-cut stem, you, you're a hobby maker, and I hope to make you an artisan by by getting you to make that that hand cut stem. But once that once that hand cut stem stem comes together, you put that in the your handmade, you know, handmade turn shank, you're you're an artisan pipe maker. Heck yeah. Well, if you have any other burning questions for Adam, send them to our Discord. It's the best way to do it. There's a specific Ask Adam Anything channel. But if you don't want to do that, send them to show at is a little unconventional. We are we are introducing our March Madness-esque series, reintroducing it for the second second time, second annual event of Legends of the Pipe. So we're going to be changing it up a bit. Instead of everyone voting on, it ultimately ended up who they liked, kind of who they wanted to win, whatever. Um, this is who you... Th- or it's, they voted on who they thought should win. This is who you want to win, right? So voting will be based on our arguments. Uh, Adam and I's discussions on this, there'll be a segment each week f- until the end of March when we find out who our winner is uh, and when you vote. The way voting is going to go, as of right now, and to be upfront, we always do, we're, we're still figuring it out. We're still ironing it out. But the voting will be done on our website. There will be a poll each week uh, or something of the like. And you'll go ahead, go to sh- uh, getpiped.co. I must said show at getpiped.co. You'll, but you'll just go to getpiped.co, uh, no M there, to vote. And uh, it'll be a great way to get involved and have some fun at the same time. So what we are doing today, what we're doing today, the only thing we are doing today is we are announcing our 16 
our cast of characters, as we will call them, uh, our eight history slash they're real and our eight fantasy fantasy characters that we will have on our bracket. And uh, what we will be doing is we'll be posting our, our fun bracket onto the Instagrams. Um, you won't be in, we're, as of right now, we're not planning on doing any voting on Instagram this year, just because it was kind of hard. A lot of people didn't know what they're doing and just kind of pressing buttons. So if you're listening to the Get Pipe Podcast, you know what you're doing. You're going to be voting. Um, so s- next week, we'll be officially uh, announcing how the voting will be done. And uh, at that point, we'll have some uh, we'll have some arguments. So without further ado. Uh, Adam Adam has some stuff she, he wants to mention. So before I get into <laughs> I'm, that, I'm giving him the points. I'm excited, I'm I'm excited. So, man. so I just want to give you guys the the intent on this one. So last year we had a huge, crazy bracket of I think it was 32. We had 16 and yep. 16. You know, Legends of the Pipe is our, our March Madness equivalent. We have fantasy versus historical figures. Historical being current, alive people who existed. Of course, fantasy being made up. And last year, again, as Nick had mentioned, it was more so who you thought was going to win. And we kind of modeled that after the real March Madness, something that we don't watch or care about uh, personally, not, nothing against the folks who do. Uh, but, but the idea there is you, have, you try to guess who's going to win, right? That didn't make a lot of sense with uh, Legends of the Pipe. So it was our trial year, our, 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 our beginning intro, in, intro to the, the, what will be a a 20, 30, 40 year uh, series that happens every March, but with pipes. 20, 30, 40s? What? I don't know. I'll, I, I'll, I'll say it. 999, episode 999 is when we, we retire. Uh, okay. But, um, you know, whatever whatever that is, it just, it just didn't make sense at the time. Um, so it, it's going to continue to get better. But now, you know, realistically, we have reasons to vote um, for, for, for a character, not because you think they're going to win because everyone just went with Gandalf and that's why he won. <laughs> um, but now the folks will have a, a, an opportunity to defend their hero, defend their legend, you know, so we'll have some fun with this one. And, and I want to encourage you as you hear the next, um, the next few episodes, the next four or five or whatever for, for March listens to our, listen to our arguments. We're asking you to vote based on who argued it best um, and not necessarily who should win. You know what I mean? Like, so if, if Gandalf is going up against a um, random character you've never heard of, if by chance I happen to give a really compelling argument for a character you've never heard of, I, w- I would ask you to consider voting for them. Um, it just, it's just fun. Uh, and it kind of gives Nick and I an opportunity to see who's better at, you know, deliberating, <laughs> I guess, and arguing and, you know, coming to these conclusions. So, so it should be fun. Nick and I will probably get a little heated as we're arguing about characters that we don't even know yeah. about or, you know, historical figures that we had to learn about, you know, the night before recording session. So it should be pretty fun, man. But, but that's kind of why, and that's the intent, why we kind of cut it down from 32 to 16. And uh, yeah, now we have a lot of good contenders. I think every single person here give argued properly could win except maybe one or two, but I still wanted to have them in there anyway, because it'll be a lot <laughs> of fun. Um, but yeah, Nick, so let's go through uh, our eight history and then take us into our eight fantasy. All right. So the first one, and these aren't, these aren't ranked. These, these aren't ranked. These are just a list. The first one, we have Edwin Hubble. So he got the, the Hubble telescope. Second one, we got J. Robert Oppenheimer, good friend in the Manhattan Project. Our third one, we got Mr. John David Cole from the Country Squire. Heck yeah. 
Uh, what number are we on? Fourth, fourth one. Uh, we got J.R.R. Tolkien, another returning character, not character, but real person. Our fifth, we have Mr. Rick Newcomb, uh, author and just prolific pipe smoker and gentleman in the pipe community. Our sixth member, or our sixth one, we have 1950s dad. No person in like no specific word, <laughs> just 1950s dad. Uh, seventh, we have Mimo from Father of the Flame. His real name is Romeo Domenico. I believe I pronounced that right, but probably not. And finally, again, making the greatest comeback in history, we have Google Pipe Guy. Uh, for those who don't know, just search pipe smoking on Google and He'll be the first guy that pops up. The first picture that shows up is this guy, and I've since dubbed named him Google Pipe Guy. Yeah, he returns. I think he's gonna take he's gonna take the crown this year. But moving into our fantasy, our eight fantasy, we have good old Santa Claus uh, from Christmas. Uh, we have <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf is returning, but will he be the defending champion? Gosh, I hope not. But um, he may. We have Samwise Gamgee again from Lord of the Rings uh, coming to to make his first appearance. Actually, no, Samwise. Yeah, his first appearance. There you go. Yeah. He replaced, uh, have, he replaced Bilbo? He did. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Bilbo Bilbo got the... He got the, the cut, uh, the yeet, as we say. We got Thomas Wake back from the lighthouse. Good friend Popeye, the sailor man. Sherlock Holmes, our... our our friend Hans Landa. I think Hans is gonna gonna take it deep <laughs> in this in this year. And the last one we have Vander. Um, I believe he was from League of Legends, Arcane. I'm not too familiar, um, but I think there will be a lot more people than uh, than we are that are familiar with him. So yeah, a uh, a good solid group of sixteen. And what we are asking. Uh, of you all today is to send us your arguments for all of these people. If you don't know any of them or you know all of them and want to send an argument for every single person, go ahead and do that. There's going to be a channel now in our Galactic Get Pipe Pipe Club where you can put all your arguments for all your characters in there. But another good way to do it, show at getpipe.co. We're going to use your arguments. Um, we're also going to have our own arguments. We're going to we're going to throw some throw some. We're going to name drop you. So send them our way. And uh, yeah, we're super excited to kick off Legends of the Pipe, our first episode of March. And we're going to continue through the month. And uh, it's going to end the finale. Big finale is going to be in our last episode of March. So stay tuned for all that. And uh, yeah, Adam, you got any any last words about uh, Legends of the Pipe? I don't, man. I think it's just going to be a really good opportunity this time to have some fun. Send those arguments in. We're going to use them as our our fuel uh, to have a really entertaining, uh, you know, ending of each show. So the, the Legend of the Pipe, where previously last year would t- would t- fill the uh, kind of just after the just chatting uh, segment of uh, of the show, but the Legend of the Pipe will replace our one of our segments. So you will still get your quote two segments. We'll have one um, changing one or whatever, and then Legends of the Pipe will be that second one. For the next four-ish, five-ish weeks, whatever it is, until uh, the the shows uh, or till the 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 event's conclusion, but should be a lot of fun. I think this one's going to be really interesting, um, and and yeah, you guys too have fun with it. Send in send in whatever you know. I mean, 
try to make it mostly true. But hey, the more embellishment here will, will be really fun to, to kind of articulate in the show. Sir, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. Sir, where can where can people find you on the social medias besides on the Get Pipe Podcast every week at 4 a.m.? Yeah, you can find me on youtube.com slash get pipe. That's where uh, some of the premier YouTube pipe community content is coming out of, uh, to be honest. Is, and I will say it this week and probably next week and the week after, a uh, little bit quiet on the on the video front, I did get a, a camera upgrade. I got my new memory cards. Um, we're, we're, we got a lot of big things coming um, in terms of uh, the production of the show. I got my lights. So I, I had a friend over this weekend, as I mentioned the, at the top of the show. But, um, you know, coming next weekend, I'm hoping to sit down and, and get a fin- finally another recording and get back to the editing grind and, and have some some more consistent content coming out. I still owe you guys a video on, on the Vegas Pipe Show. <laughs> and I, gosh, I hope it comes out before Chicago this year. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But check out Instagram as well for the more short form content. That's at get underscore pipe. But if you follow me, make sure you follow my right hand man, GPP underscore producer guy. The Galactic Get Pipe Pipe Club is one of the premier places for all pipe smoking artisans, hobbyists, artists, art, lifestyle, whatever you name it. You can find it there in that club. Join the free link, which is in the show notes. And while you're doing all that stuff, go ahead. Like we mentioned before, give us a rating review on all your podcast apps, specifically Apple and Spotify, uh, and subscribe and follow while you're at it. And please, 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 as always, share with any and all pipe smokers, and apparently cigar smokers too now, share with those cigar smokers of new age, old age, young age, whatever it is, but don't just share with the men, share with the women and the children too because they need to hear about the Get By Podcast. But as we close out this this first of our cigar, uh, our journey down the cigar route, Mr. Adam, do you have any wise words of wisdom? I do, man. Um, We're going to relate this to the cigar, uh, and it's going to be not really wisdom. It's going to be a plea, and it's bear with me. Please, <laughs> as we uh, as we continue to learn, you know, about our cigar cousins and and a lot of you pipe smokers out here are are avid cigar smokers or came from cigars or even maybe transitioned to cigars way long ago or what what have you. Um, but but it's something that's really interesting to me and I want to continue to learn. And and I think that's what we're going to do. Humor the Humidor series. As, as I mentioned, we're we're humoring it. We're going to we're going we're gonna to try it out. We're going to test our, our, our test the water, put our feet in and check the temperature if it's. If it's too cold, I'm going to step away. But if it's warm, you know, I might just jump in. And uh, apparently it was warm the other day when we had a 20% off on smokingpipes.com and I ordered, you know, 20 cigars. And uh, so now I have, my father actually sent me a humidor like a a long time ago. I actually had this for a very long time. It's been kind of holding pipe knickknacks, but I've since emptied it. I put in a Bovita, one of those gooey packs. Mm -hmm. You put them in and I guess it hydrates everything. I'm supposed to wait two weeks. I put this in, I think, yesterday. So I got two weeks from 
this uh, the time of Saturday, you know, a couple episodes from now, I'll let you know how it is. Um, you, you, you put it in there, then you discard it, then you open it up. You're not supposed to open it for the two weeks. That's what I mean by that. So no cigars are in there. I'm hoping the, the smoking pipes little package holds the cigars well, which I do. If you open it up, it's, it's kind of moist in there. Very interesting packaging process. It's got to be like a mini little humidor to, to keep for a little bit. But I'm going to throw those in there and I'm going to start getting into them, man. And I'll, I'll be sure to share my thoughts and opinions uh, on the Galactic Get Pipe Pipe Club. So it's so not really wisdom here, just kind of a, again, a plea to, to ask you to bear <laughs> with me. And, you know, I appreciate you guys all for, for especially you pipe smokers, man, for the, for the folks who had the strength to do what I could not you know, uh, when, when I was listening to the, the country squires or whatever, and when they hit on a cigar episode and I just, I couldn't do it. You know, I, I appreciate you guys for, for sticking into the very, very end, like all, cause you are the 12 percenter and you'd do it anytime, no matter what. And I appreciate you for that. But at this time you've all still, still all been piped. And until the next piping, we 